Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. The Father's House exists to see people discover life in Jesus. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. Hey, we're going to get into the Word, and uh, we have been in a series. If you're joining us for the first time, I'll bring you up to speed. We have been in a series for the last six weeks. Today is week seven of a series entitled, Not My Job. Come on, say that with a little bit of attitude. Not my job. And uh, we have been discussing some of the things that we as Christians attempt to do on God's behalf and ultimately end up failing pretty miserably in the process, hurting ourselves, hurting some other people. And, uh, and thus, we've been discovering uh, over the last six weeks what our role truly is in this thing called the kingdom of God, as we also commit to refuse to play God, stop trying to be him, and ultimately relinquish that control back to him so that he can do his job. And uh, we've talked about a number of only God kind of jobs. We've talked about uh, vengeance and provision, and we've talked about producing the fruit of righteousness and uh, convicting the world of their sin and timing and a lot of great ones. But uh, last week, uh, uncharacteristically, we started a two-week sermon. And all, don't worry, if you're here for the first time today, I'll catch you up to speed in just a couple of moments. But uh, we started a sermon talking about the subject of God's plan. Yeah, there it is. Okay, yeah. Yeah, okay. That's not the Lord's music. Turn it off. Okay. Pray for Drake. He needs Jesus. He was close with that song. But anyway, no, we talked about God's plan. And uh, specifically, we had this thesis. Uh, if you were not here, uh, this is your on-ramp to, to kind of jump on the, the, the train today. But our thesis was this. The plans for my life are not my job. The plans for my life are ultimately a only God kind of job. And to that end, we asked ourselves a question. It was confronting, it was uncomfortable, but a question that is crucial if we're truly going to lay hold of God's plans for our life. And that question was this, what if I am pursuing the wrong plan for my life? What if the opportunities I'm waiting for, the doors I'm hoping are going to open, the prayers that I'm praying for a specific thing, what if those are completely and entirely outside of God's plan? They're nothing more than a flawed plan that I've created for myself. And as a result of it, I end up bashing my head up against a wall in the spirit because I'm not seeing what I'm asking for when that's never what God intended in the first place. And so, as we answered those questions, we looked at a couple of scriptures that I'm going to read again this morning as we get in. And again, for those that weren't with us, these will help you get on board. But we looked at two scriptures to answer that question. Am I following the right plan? Jeremiah 29, 11, and Proverbs chapter 19, verse 3. Uh, Jeremiah says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and to give you a future. Every youth pastor's favorite Verse. I think I have a youth pastor. I won't look at him right now in the room today. He's probably preached that verse about 48 times. That's every youth pastor loves that one. And then Proverbs chapter 19, verse three, the contrast to Jeremiah 29, 11. And it says, people, people ruin their lives. I, my wife tells me I pronounce the word ru, ruin incorrectly. I always say ruin and apparently it's ruin. Okay. So for those of you that are on my team and you don't know how to speak English, welcome to the team. All right, here we go. So people ruin their lives by following their own foolish plans, and then they are angry with the Lord. God has good plans to prosper, to give us a hope and a future, but often we pursue our own foolish plans, and we end up blowing things up, and then we blame God for it later. 
There is a beautiful, ironic tension between those two scriptures, and we spent a long time talking about that tension last week. If you were not here, please go back and listen to it. It'll help frame in this message a little bit better. But ultimately, our determination at the conclusion of the sermon last week was that our role to play when it comes to God's plan is simple. It's one word. It's surrender. We are to surrender our plans if we want to lay hold of God's plans for our lives. And some weeks, you know, I conclude a sermon and I go home and I'm like, I wonder if anybody got that. Last week, I feel like I had so many conversations after church and so many conversations throughout the week with people who I think got it. Like maybe for the first time in a long time, they're like, you know what? I've been running after something. I've been chasing something and I know it's not God. And it's time for me to surrender these things to him. And there was so many that stepped into that surrender last week. In fact, I have a story from one young lady who goes to our church and I asked her to submit it because I just thought it was so encouraging and I wanted to encourage you with it as well. But she wrote to us and she said, I recently quit a job after being offered a new one only to have the new job fall through at the last minute. That was two and a half months ago. I've been applying for job after job, attending interview after interview only to get rejected. Last week, I was beyond frustrated and I was ready to give up, but after the sermon, the words, the plans for my life are not my job, kept resonating in my head. The next morning, I decided to pray and I surrendered all of my plans completely to God. No sooner had I said amen than I felt my phone vibrate. It was God. No, I'm just kidding, it wasn't God, okay. I answered and it was someone I had connected with a few weeks prior. They offered me a job on the spot, right there on the phone. Not only did God provide the perfect job, but he definitely made himself known during the process. Come on, isn't that awesome? That is the beauty of surrender. The moment that we say, Jesus, I'm leaving it all at your feet. I'm entrusting it to you. There's like a big smile on God's face. And he's like, finally, I can release the plans that I had for you all along. So now you can walk in them. Uh, But as I mentioned last weekend, um, that was only half of the story. Surrender is the first aspect of our role as it pertains to stepping into God's plan, but there is a second detail that we cannot ignore, and that's what I want to spend the remainder of our time together on today, if I could. So for all of us who are interested in stepping into God's plans, part two, our our role, role number two is this. It is purity. Everybody's favorite subject at church. (laughs) We're gonna talk about purity today. And let me give you an operating thesis we're gonna discover over the next couple of moments. Uh, If you're taking notes, I'll leave this on the screen for you for a moment so that you can write it down. But here it is. Surrender, last week's message, releases us to lay hold of God's plan, but purity qualifies us to step in and remain in his plan. Surrender releases us, but purity ultimately qualifies us. So let me pray and, uh, and then we'll get into this. Jesus, we love you. Uh, We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word. I thank you for every person that is here in this building and watching online right now and every person who said, I'm coming to a place where I'm ready to sing and listen to the word of God. And I didn't do it because I wanted to check a box to fulfill a religious duty, but I actually believe that through your word and through your presence, my life can be changed. And and here we are, Jesus. In, In fact, just say this in your own words, in your own heart for a moment. Here I am, Jesus. My heart is open. My ears are open. I wanna receive what you have for me today. On this Pentecost Sunday, the Sunday that we celebrate the birthday of the church where the Holy Spirit fell and lives were forever changed and the gospel was preached and 3,000 were added to the body of Christ. Today, we are here, the church, thousands of years later with the same Holy Spirit that still wants to fall in this space and to speak to our hearts and our minds individually. So 
Do what only you can do. We release our plans, our control to you. Lead us and guide us today and may we be forever changed before we leave this room. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Um, I have discovered in my journey with God that purity is a massively important subject to him. In fact, you can't really go more than a couple of pages in your Bible without stumbling upon some purity discussion, an encouragement from God to step into purity. It is a massive deal to God. Um, in fact, if I could say it like this, as it pertains to the plans of God, it is the absolutely necessary but kind of fine print with his plans. Uh, let, me, let me just check. Any of you ever been the victim of fine print before? You ever signed something that you regretted later on? And uh, just a couple of us. Okay, so the rest of us are, are good. Some of us are gullible. You guys are the smart ones. We're not. Okay, I get it. Um, I, I don't, actually don't consider myself to be very gullible. Uh, I have been in sales for most of my adult life. And as a result, I kind of know every tactic out there. I can catch every scheme. I can smell a salesperson like a mile away. It's fun for me to mess with them. Like, send me to a car dealership, baby. I'll go with you, and I will get you the best deal possible on a vehicle. Um, but a couple of years ago, I made a cardinal mistake as it pertains to sales, and I paid the price for it. And I'm going to expose my inadequacies for all of your enjoyment today, all right? So... I opened up my mailbox, and a few years ago, there's a postcard. And on the postcard, it's from a Hyundai dealership in a neighboring city. And across the front, it says, if you come in and test drive this particular Hyundai, then we will give you a 55-inch LCD TV. And I'm like, that sounds too good to be true. So I start reading through the thing, and I'm scanning it for the scams and you know, trying to make sure I read all the fine print. And as I read through it, the only fine print that I can see, the only catch, is that you have to bring the postcard in with you to the dealership when you go on the test drive. And as long as you bring that, you don't have to buy the car, you still get the television. And I'm like, all right, game on, I can play. And at the end of the day, I figured this, like my dad's an attorney, so if they try to pull one over on me, I'll just have my dad sue him for false advertisement. It'll work out great. Like, daddy, I want a TV. They didn't give it to me, sue him for me. Like, it's what I've done my entire life every time I get into trouble, it's great. So I get in my car and I forget that it is Friday at rush hour. And instead of taking 20 minutes to get to this dealership, it takes me 90 minutes to get to this dealership. But in the back of my head, I'm like, okay, Tim, you can do this, all right? There's a television on the other side of this drive. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me for a television. So I, I pull up to the dealership, finally after about an hour and a half, and when I get there, it's a ghost town. There's not a single person there to retrieve a television, which should have been my first clue that I've been scammed. But I just thought, okay, no one wants to drive in rush hour. Everybody else is waiting. I'm gonna get first dibs on these televisions. So I, I get out of the car, I walk up to the sales office. This eager sales guy comes up to me. Hello, sir, how are you doing? Do you like to, and I said, stop. Just before you say anything else, I have one question. Do you still have any televisions? He said, yes, we still have televisions. Would you like to go on a test drive? And I'm like, okay, let's do it. So he pulls a car around and I get inside of this Hyundai Santa Fe and I, uh, we go on this little, little tour that he takes me on and I did what all of you would do in a similar circumstance. I pretend like I'm interested in the car, right? Like, oh yeah, this is great. Look at this sunroof, amazing, my goodness. Uh, oh yeah, I do feel the, the suspension. Yeah, that's awesome. My wife would love the navigation. You know, I'm just, I'm feeding him lines so he doesn't feel bad about wasting his time on me. But eventually we get back to the dealership and 
Uh, as we pull up, he's like, so can I go inside? And you want to write something up? You want to talk about it? I said, listen, bro, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm here for the, te- for the television. Like, I, I'm not a Hyundai kind of guy. Like, I just, you know, I don't want to drive that. So no, you just go get me the TV and we're good to go. And he thinks he gets me, right? He's like, well, do you have your, uh, your promotional material? And I'm like, oh, yes, I do. And I pull out my postcard and I hand it to him. He's like, all right, go sit down and uh, I'll bring out your, uh, your, your TV for you in a few minutes. I'm like, okay, great. So I sit down. 10 minutes passes, 20 minutes pass, and I'm like, oh, this dude's trying to sweat me out. Like, you can't play the player, bro, okay? I know your game. I am staying the course. I will walk out of here with the television. After about 20 minutes, the guy comes out, and he is not holding a large 55-inch television box. He is holding a tiny, little, looks like a ring box. I'm like, is he proposing to me? What's about to happen, right? So he comes over to the table. He sits down. He says, there you go, sir. You have a wonderful day. I look down at the box, I look at him. I'm like, what's this? Oh, it's, 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 your, uh, it's your gift. I'm like, no, <laughs> it's not a television. <laughs> you said you had TVs, where's my TV? He's like, well, uh, sir, your customer code didn't qualify you for the television. It qualified you for a calculator watch. And I'm like, do I look like Dwight to you from the office, bro? Come on, like, I don't need a calculator watch. I came here for a television. Sure enough, he brings over my postcard, and there in the fine print is a little customer number, and it says not all people qualify for the televisions, and apparently I am one of those people who don't qualify for TVs. I get a calculator watch. So I hang my head in shame, and I get back in my car, realizing I have wasted my entire afternoon to get a 1980s piece of technological equipment. It was a waste of my stinking time. All because I didn't read the fine print. If, if I had just looked a little bit longer, spent a little more time paying attention to what was written, I wouldn't have found myself wasting an entire afternoon never getting what I truly desired. And as it pertains to purity, I think that is the fine print of God's plan for our life. Only the print is not that fine. It's the same size as all the rest of the print in the Bible. And yet for some reason, when it comes to us pursuing those plans, we often find ourselves redacting it from Scripture conveniently ignoring what the Bible says about our purity only to get frustrated and angry that we have wasted a whole lot of time never laying hold of what he had for us in the first place. But listen to me very carefully today. If we are going to pursue his plan for our future, if we're going to pursue his plan for our lives, we must make a decision to simultaneously pursue purity. They are interdependent. And that's what we're going to talk a little bit more about today. Let me prove it to you through the Bible. So last week we talked about the fact that the Israelites, God's people, uh, were given this this promise from the prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, 11, uh, as they were uh, in bondage in Babylon after making a number of bad decisions. But we reminded ourselves that this promise to prosper for a hope and a future was not a new promise. This isn't something that God just shared with them for the first time. It was not an epiphany. In fact, it was a 700-year-old prophecy, a 700-year-old promise that if you trace all the way back to the book of Joshua, was given to them as they were about to step into God's good plan for their future. As they crossed over the Jordan and they made their way into the promised land, in not so many words, God said, I have good plans for you. They are plans to prosper you. You are going to reap what you did not sow. You are going to inherit cities that you did not build. I have plans plans to bless you, to bring peace with you and your enemies. As you step into this place, it is hopeful. There's a great future ahead of you. This was his plan and this was his promise. And the only condition 
was that they remained his people and he remained their God. That was ultimately his plan. But if you look a little bit closer back at the scripture, there's also a contingency to this plan that we didn't mention last week, hence the second service. This contingency was built in in Joshua chapter three as the people were stepping into the land and God made it clear as you walk into this plan, there is something that I am going to require of you. And that something is your purity. Look at what he says in Joshua chapter three, uh, verse five. Joshua says, uh, by, by, uh, by, by impulse from the, from the Lord, he says, purify yourselves today for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. Purify yourselves right now because tomorrow God wants to do something great. Tomorrow God wants to bring you into his plans, so you need to purify yourself today. That, that word purify in the Hebrew is the word kadash, and it means to consecrate or to set yourself apart. It is to be aware of what's happening around you, to consecrate or to set oneself apart. And so to that end, let me give you a thought, write this down if you're taking notes. Tomorrow's destination requires today's consecration. If you are going to walk into what God has, the next phase of this plan, the start of this plan, that destination is gonna require something of you. It's going to require some consecration. It's going to require some purity. In fact, God would go on to tell his people that it wasn't just purity that was required of them to enter into the plan, but actually purity was the very thing that allowed them to remain in the plan. It was required up front, and it was required once they got there. And so what I wanna do for the next couple of moments we have together, I wanna look at those two aspects of purity, if I could. The purity that is required to step into God's plan, but then the purity that's required to remain in that plan as well. So let's start with entry. Again, back to the Israelites. When, when God told them to purify themselves, he was issuing an invitation for them to take some inventory. He's saying, look at your life, like, be honest about it. D don't try to hide behind your sin and, and, and all the stuff that you got going on in the camp. Be honest with yourselves. Be transparent. And if you discover that there's anything that doesn't belong, anything that is unbecoming or a man or a woman of God, then I want you to get rid of those things. I want you to consecrate yourselves. And if we, yes, even thousands of years later, are going to step into what God has for our future, the same thing is required of us. We must take inventory of our lives and determine if there is anything that doesn't belong. And if we determine, if we discover that there is some impurity in our lives, then here's number one, we must purge. We have to get rid of some things. If we are going to step into the destination that God has for us, we must consecrate, we must purge ourselves today. Let me give you a scripture. Second Timothy chapter two, verse 20. Reads like this, in a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions and the cheap ones are for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, come on everyone say those words with me. If you keep yourself pure, you should underline that, highlight it, lipstick it, do whatever you gotta do in your Bible. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you'll be ready for the Lord to use you. I, that is like one of my life scriptures. I think about that scripture probably every single day. In fact, I remember the first time I read that scripture, I did underline it, I did highlight it. I don't wear lipstick, so I did not do that. But I did write in the margin of my Bible this. Based on what Paul just said here, I wrote, I get to determine how much God uses me. 
He said, if you keep yourself pure, you will be ready for God to use you. How interesting that God would relinquish that kind of a control to his people. I am giving you permission to step into what I have for you, but ultimately your usability is your decision. It's based on, the linchpin is your purity. He didn't say, if your accountability partner keeps you pure. He didn't say, if your pastor keeps you pure, that ain't my job. He didn't say, if you try a little bit harder to do a little bit better, he didn't say any of those things. He said, if you take responsibility for your purity, if you keep yourself pure, then you will be ready for God to use you. Purity is your responsibility. And he would go on to say that ultimately that impurity will disqualify us for being used, for, uh, for being used by what God wants to do in our lives. If, if we are going to step into the fullness of his plan, it's going to require an intention to not just purify ourselves, but to resist impurity at all levels. Now, let me give you an example of that. Um, I recently discovered that um, you have to drain and refill your water heater once a year. Apparently that is in the instruction manual. Did anybody know that? One person knew that. Two people knew that. Okay. The rest of us did not learn that in adulting class. All right. So apparently you're supposed to drain your water heater every year and then you're supposed to refill it with water because if you don't, then it can get rusted and corroded and some impurities can work out in there. And ultimately this is what keeps you safe and extends the length of time that you can use that water heater. I did not know that. And as a result, I, uh, I paid the price for it a couple of weeks ago. We get home from church and uh, my kids go down to the basement to play and I hear a little little voice from the, from the basement say, uh, dad, we have a problem. And we run downstairs and we take a look and there's water all over our basement floor. And I'm like, oh gosh, where is this coming from? And sure enough, we look at the water heater and the water heater is leaking and, and getting water everywhere. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm cheap. Anybody else cheap? Okay, good. My people. Yeah. I was not about to spend a thousand dollars on permits and some other joker to come into my house and do something that I could do myself. And so um, I sought out the source of all wisdom and truth. I went onto YouTube and I learned how to replace a water heater. Not just another pretty face, guys. I can do some labor. All right, okay. So I, I figured out how to replace a water heater and I went to Home Depot the next day, picked up a water heater, went home, unloaded that sucker from my car, brought it into the basement, and then I went about the process of exchanging. And then after I got the gas lines unhooked and everything else taken apart, uh, apparently the next step, according to YouTube, is to drain your existing water heater so that you can move it. So I hook up a hose to the water heater and I start to drain it into these buckets. Um, I'm bailing bucket after bucket into my sink in the basement and after about four or five buckets, I start to notice something. The water is, is getting a little cloudy. And then about six, seven, eight buckets in, it's getting cloudier and darker and grimier until eventually by the time I get to the bottom of my water heater, I can't even see through the water anymore. It is like dark brown. You're shaking your head because you know that I screwed up. I didn't know these things, okay? So apparently what had happened is that the rust and everything else on the inside of that water heater started to deteriorate. And as it did, it worked its way into my water supply. So unbeknownst to me, every time we showered, every time we used the hot water at the house, there was all of these impurities that were coming through our faucets without my knowledge. Because that's how impurity works, it's subtle. Sometimes you don't even notice that it's taking place. It just kind of works its way in without your knowledge until it's a little bit too late. Now watch this. If I had purged, I would not have allowed impurity to exist. And by allowing, but by allowing that impurity to exist, 
something tragic happened to my water heater. It became incapable of being used for its intended purpose. The failure to purge allowed impurity, which ruined the vessel, ruined the vessel. <laughs> Paul says the same thing is true of you. Paul says that impurity has the ability to completely disqualify you from being used for God's purpose. Even those subtle ones that you've allowed to remain, unless we get aggressive about purging, we will never see the fullness of what God has for our life actualized. But if, according to this scripture, if we will get serious about it, come on, if we will purify ourselves, let me remind you, I'm gonna be a broken record just one more time. There are good plans for your life. There are plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and to give you a future. Romans 12 says that God's plans for you are good, they are pleasing, and they are perfect. In other words, they fit you like a glove. God's not gonna send you to Zimbabwe to be a missionary when you don't wanna go there. There's a way he has wired you and fashioned you. There's a plan that is custom fit. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. It is made for you. But the way you walk into that plan, it is predicated on your purity. Will you purify yourself so that you can lay hold of his plan? Now, side note, but an important one. I've said this before. It's really important that when we study scripture, we look at the tense of a verb. Because the tense of a verb can, can completely change the meaning of a text. And such is the case for this scripture. When Paul says, you need to keep yourself pure, purify yourself. He uses a verb tense here known as the aorist tense in the Greek. And the aorist tense is the present continual tense, meaning that it never stops. It just continues to go on. This is an action that continues to take place. Let me say it like this. It is not a one-time event. It is a lifelong process. So your purity is not a one-time event. There is not a moment where you just arrive, oh, I'm pure, look at me. It is a lifelong long process. Let me say that again. Your purity is not an event. It is a lifelong process, meaning that you are still in that process right now. Come on, turn to somebody next to you and tell them, back off me, bro. I am in process, all right? As the preachers of old used to say, I may not be where I want to be, but I thank God that I'm not where I used to be. Come on, somebody. Yeah. <laughs> I love that because we go to a church where there's not a lot of people that have been in church their whole life. And so everything I say sounds original, even though someone like 50 years ago said it. I told the first service, like, I'm going to tell the second service that was my quote. I remember saying this really profound thing this one time. Thank God I'm not where I used to be. Okay, no. Yeah, that, we are all in a process. The Bible calls that process sanctification. You are being sanctified. Scripture tells us that that process is lifelong. But as we walk through that process, as we continue to say yes to the things that God is asking us to purge, we are actually becoming more and more like Jesus. Today, as you sit in this room, if you've been saying yes to the call, if you've been responding to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you are more like Jesus today than you were yesterday. You're becoming more like him in your character, more like you in the way, him in the way that you interact with other people, in your passions, in your pursuits. You are being sanctified day by day, moment by moment, hour by hour. You are becoming more like Jesus. And, and it's really important, especially as it pertains to the plans of God, that you remember that your purity is a process and it's not a one-time event. 
Because if you think it's a one-time event, you're gonna be chasing a moment where suddenly you walk into the call of God, not realizing that you've probably been in the midst of it all along. That you've been, every yes, you've been saying, every time God asks you to do something, to purge something, and every time you say yes, you are taking another step into that plan. Listen, every time, I'm gonna purge that, I'm gonna get rid of that. It's like you're walking into a new chapter of that plan for your life. The Bible says that the path of the righteous gets brighter and brighter and brighter into the full light of dawn. Yes, God, the path is getting brighter. Yes, God, the path is getting brighter. I'm beginning to see what you're calling me to do. I'm beginning to see what you have for my future. That's what sanctification looks like. Every time you say yes. So, so don't get frustrated with the pace, okay? The pace of God's plan, it's not your responsibility as Pastor Rich shared with us a couple of weeks ago. But your purity is your responsibility and your pace is predicated on your purity. If you will keep yourself pure, then you'll continue to move forward in those chapters and you will lay hold of God's plan. But you gotta be willing to say yes to the call to purge. I know for me, when I discovered that God had called me to do what I'm doing right now, to, to share his word, there were some things that needed to be purged from my life. The Holy Spirit made that very clear to me. Son, if this is something I'm going to entrust to you, to tell other people about my word and to share how they should be living their lives, well, then you better be living your life right behind the scenes. You can't be like all the pastors that you've seen on the television or read about where suddenly their secret life is exposed and everything that they've said is, is, is proven to be false. I, I, don't wanna, I don't wanna be that guy, God. I, I wanna step into what you have for me. But one area in particular, God said, we need to deal with your profanity. We need to deal with the stuff that's coming out of your mouth because I'm not gonna let you on stage to talk about me if you ain't talking about me behind the scenes. And I know that you wouldn't believe it. Man, back in the day, I could say some stuff, all right? Like, I know now I'm just the bastion of holiness, but back then, okay, I could, I could cuss up with the best of them, all right? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me very clearly about that. You need to get rid of this. You need to purge this before I'm ever going to entrust to you the plan of preaching the gospel. And so I had to purge profanity. I had to purge coarse joking from my vocabulary so that I could step into what his plan was for my future. Now, that was a one-time event, but I have not arrived yet. Shocker. <laughs> I still have hecka problems. <laughs> Ask my wife every day. Another one of them is revealed. But every time one of those impurities is revealed, it is an invitation for me to purge again. It's a revelation from God to step into the next chapter of his plan for my life. And the same is true of you. That is how sanctification works. It is today's purging for tomorrow's plans. But that's only half the picture. Because I said earlier, there's, there's purity that allows us to enter in, but there's also a purity that's required for us to remain in that plan. And so the second aspect of this purity that we must be aware of is another P word, because I love alliteration, it's protect. We need to protect that purity. If we're going to remain in God's plan for our lives, we can't just purify ourselves on the front end. All right, Jesus, I'm running after you only to see that purity disintegrate later on down the road. We must continue to protect the purity and the zeal that we had to be kept only unto him from the beginning. Back to the Israelites. So when God tells them to purify themselves as they step into the land. He also gives them another command in tandem that is gonna be required of them once they step into this land. A command to not just be pure once, but to remain in purity if they want to remain 
in the blessing and in his plan for their lives. And he shares that in Deuteronomy chapter seven. In my Bible, this little subtitle is the privilege of purity. I rather like that, the privilege of purity, because it is a privilege to step into what God has for our future. Deuteronomy seven reads like this. Uh, When the Lord your God brings you into the land you're entering to possess and drives out before you many nations, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. It's like a rap song. Seven nations. (laughs) Some of you are like, you're dumb. Okay. (laughs) Seven nations larger and stronger than you. And when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you have defeated them, watch this, then you must completely destroy them. Make no treaty with your enemies and do not show them any mercy. God said, when you get into this land, you're gonna notice that there's some impurity in the land. There's some customs, some practices that are not of me. There's some nations that I need you to evict from the land because if you're going to remain pure, it's going to require a vigilance to fight against those impure nations and to eradicate their practices from the land. If you don't do this, you may have entered in, but you will not stay in this land. You might walk into my plan, but you will not remain in my plan unless you protect the purity that you were willing to embrace at the beginning. And as we shared last week, the people of God did that for a season. They, they did exactly what God asked them to do. They destroyed the enemy nations. They burnt down the Asherah poles. They tore down all the altars for foreign gods. They obeyed the word of God. And as they lived in obedience, they experienced the fullness of that plan. The prosperity, the blessing, the hope, the future, the joy, the peace, all that God had for them. But over time, they began to do the very thing that God told them not to do in this scripture. They allowed their sons and their daughters to intermarry with the sons and daughters of the foreign nations until their hearts were swayed away from God and they began to practice the customs of of the other Hittites and Perizzites and Jebusites in the land. And before too long, they were no longer giving God the honor that he was due and they were worshiping foreign gods and idols ultimately to their demise. And the scripture here gives a word for that. He said, don't make any treaties with them. You know what a treaty is, right? A treaty is when two sworn enemies decide that they're going to cohabit. When two people that don't belong together decide that they're gonna wave the white flag in peace and remain. A treaty says, I know you are my enemy and I know you don't belong here, but I am so tired of fighting you that I'm gonna allow you to exist in this space where you should not exist. I'm going to, I'm gonna give you mercy instead of fighting. I wonder if anybody in this room or anybody watching online has made any treaties with impurity in your life. Any treaties with some enemies that simply don't belong. Some things that God has been clear with you about. Said you need to fight against this thing. Fight the good fight of faith. Don't allow this to remain in your life any longer. Delete the app, delete the phone number. Get get this thing out. But instead, we've allowed that enemy to remain. We've entered into a treaty with something that God has told us to eradicate. Because listen, I'll say it again. God's plan is good. He's got a better person that he's gonna bring your way. You don't need to chase down that app to find them. 
He's got a better future. You don't need to scrape and claw to find the one that you're trying to find right now. But if you, if you don't fight the battles that he's called you to fight and you begin to make treaties with impurity in your life, it will ultimately be your demise. Listen, just as God has a plan for your life, there's an enemy that has a plan for your life as well. John 10, 10 says it like this. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy everything that God wants to do in your life. But he knows that he cannot destroy it in and of himself. So he tries to get you to self-destruct by offering a ceasefire with sin in your life so that you stop fighting the enemies that you know you're supposed to fight. But you, son, daughter, warrior of God, you have got to get vigilant about the fight. You got to get aggressive about eradicating impurity in your life because you cannot afford to say yes to some enemies that don't belong. And you may not have the same ites in your land. Maybe you don't have Jebusites and Canaanites and Girgashites and other ites, but you got some ites. You got some websites. You got some late nights. You got some swipe rights. You got some bud lights, some parasites, some pants that are too tight. Come on, you got some high as a kites. You got some ites in your life, all right? Oh, he went there. Don't think I don't see you on Instagram. The question is, how long are you gonna let those guys live in your land? How long are you gonna let those enemies remain when you know you've been called to fight them? Come on, do not make treaties with the enemy. Do not allow Satan himself to weasel his way into your life because you are too lazy to fight or you're too exhausted to fight. Come on, get back up again, fight again, pick up the sword of the spirit, yield the word of God, run after the call of God that is on your life. There are good plans for your future, but you gotta fight for them. You gotta get aggressive about eradicating impurity. Yes, purity is required to step in, but it's required to remain there as well. So you gotta purge and you gotta protect. I think if we are willing to do these two same, no, they're simple. They're simply said, much more difficult to walk out. But if we will do these things, if we will take our purity seriously, we're not gonna be the Proverbs 19.3 people. We're not gonna be the people that ruin our lives. <laughs> I can't say that word without laughing now. Ruin our lives by following our own foolish plans. But we'll be a Jeremiah 29:11 people. Come on, San Francisco needs a Jeremiah 29:11 kind of people. People that are walking in the plans to prosper, the hopeful future that he has for him. We will walk into everything good God has for us. So, as we conclude, the band comes. I'm going to ask you two questions. And I don't need you to answer these today. But I do need you to wrestle with them this week. Let me just say as 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 we've been going through these last two weeks, I have been praying like face to the ground praying for some people that I know are a hair's breadth away from being kicked out of God's plan for their life because they're embracing some enemies they shouldn't be embracing. I want you to walk in everything God has for you, but I cannot fight that fight for you. I cannot purify you. You have got to purify yourself. So consider these questions as you step into this week. Question number one, what do I need to purge? Picture that, you're going through your home, you got clothes that don't fit anymore. You got furniture that you hate. Get rid of some stuff and bring it over to the, to the secondhand store. What do you need to purge? Get rid of some things in your life. 
Is it the deleted app? Is it the deleted phone number? Is it the deleted relationship? What is it? What do you need to get rid of? Secondly, what treaties do you need to break? What treaty do you need to rip up and refuse to allow in your life any longer? Where do you need to fight again? I'm praying to get your fight back this week, that you realize there's something worth fighting for. The same thing I wrote in my Bible is true for every single one of us. Same thing I wrote in my margin. You get to determine how much God's gonna use you. You get to determine at what level you're gonna step into this plan. I pray that you make the right decision. What do you need to purge? What treaties do you need to break? As you're considering that, let me pray for us and we'll conclude. Jesus, we love you. We love you and we thank you that just as that plan was made available once again to the people of God in Jeremiah 29:11 a few thousand years ago, it is available to every single one of us here today. You still have plans to prosper us. You still have plans to give us a hope and to give us a future. God, we wanna see those plans come to pass in our life. I pray this week, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to each individual heart about specific things and circumstances and items in their lives that need to be addressed. Make it clear, what do we need to purge? By the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray that they would get up, the righteous get up, even though they fall seven times and they fight again. Stir up a fight in the heart of your people to eradicate impurity. And as I'm praying this, before we conclude, I I wanna pray for one more group of people. And that would be those of you who would say, hey, I'm kind of still stuck in the first step from last week, which is that surrender step. Yeah, I I hear what you're saying about purity and all the rest of that stuff, but I have yet to surrender my life to Christ. Or maybe I did years ago, but I've been away and I need to surrender my life to him once again. If that's you, I'm gonna take a moment as we conclude here and pray a very simple prayer with you, a prayer of commitment or recommitment to Christ so that you can step into these good plans he has for your future. But before I pray that prayer, I'd love to know who I'm praying with. If you're here today and you know that you need to get things right with God before you leave, would you quickly slip up a hand and look at me so I know who I'm praying with? Thank you, bro, I got you. Yeah, right there in the back, awesome. Yes, right there, right there, yeah, right there. Yeah, right there, right there. Come on, hallelujah, lots of people. Yes, 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 okay. Thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. I'm gonna pray this, you can pray it in your heart right where you're sitting. The words, again, are not important. It's just the condition of your heart that is, but I'll, I'll do my best to guide you in some vocabulary around that. Just say, Jesus, today I give you my life. I thank you for giving your life to set me free. Today I choose to follow you. I surrender my plans. I surrender my life to you. I'm not gonna blame you for where I'm at. I've experienced the reality of that scripture. I've, I've kind of decimated my own life following my own foolish plans, but I am ready to surrender my plans to you so that I can pick up yours and move forward. Help me to be your disciple. Help me to walk in your ways. Help me to live according to your word from this day forward until I see you in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, let's just give a big shout of praise for all of those who lifted their hand today. Oh, that's awesome. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, We want to pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church, and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.